Hello and welcome to the CGF podcast. My name is Louise Chester. I work in the communications team at the Consumer Goods Forum and this is the latest episode in our third season of the podcast where we delve behind the scenes of our work and we share our thoughts about the challenges facing our industry, the planet and its people. The Consumer Goods Forum is a CEO-led organization that helps the world's retailers and consumer goods manufacturers to collaborate alongside other key stakeholders to secure consumer trust and drive positive change. For this month's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Oliver Wright, Senior Managing Director at Accenture. Oliver will be sharing some insights on the consumer trends that Accenture have uncovered during the pandemic. He has such a lot of important information to share that can really benefit our industry as we look towards the future. So let's welcome Oliver. So hello, Oliver. Thank you very much for for joining me today. How are you doing? Uh, Great, Louise. It's great to be with you. Super. So I wanted to revisit some of the, these topics that you, you spoke about at our recent global summit in June. Perhaps you could start by telling our listeners a bit about the, the pulse surveys that Accenture has been running during uh, the, pan, the pandemic over these, these past uh, months. Yeah, no, it, so it's been, it's been really interesting. So what we, um, what we found is that we had a very strong enduring desire to understand what's happening with, uh, with consumers. And we've, we run, we've obviously been running surveys for a number of years. But what we found with COVID was it was clear to us that it was the whole COVID experience was going to rapidly shift and dramatically shift consumption, but we didn't know quite how. So what we decided to do was to run very, very regular surveys around the, the world um, monthly at the, the start, and then we gradually eased off a little bit. But we targeted uh, between 18 to 20 markets, and we were, t- and we were talking and engaging with about 60,000 consumers around the world. Um, and critically, uh, we were really targeting a whole range of questions to understand how uh, consumption was going to shift, how uh, consumers were thinking about um, understanding the world around them differently. Um, but interestingly, we were looking at both what was changing in the immediate, as uh, so what was sort of changing week to week, month to month, um, as people have been going through the journey. But more interestingly, um, how is the pandemic experience uh, going to change consumer preferences on a long-term basis? Because it was became very clear to us very early on in the process that the scale of the shifts were more fundamental than we had even anticipated at the start. Yeah, that, that is fascinating. I, I don't doubt that there are going to be such huge consequences all around for, the, for this pandemic. And so I did want to ask you a bit more about, about the consumer trends. So what which sort of insights have you uncovered then as a result of covid perhaps you could go into some specifics and what do you think um consumers are looking for in their shopping experiences now as they go forward yeah no it's 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 been very very interesting and because the breadth of changes are both um around um how consumers are actually engaging um what they're looking for in in brands um, and um, the, the broad set of relationships they've got with the, uh, with the with society around them. So it's much more uh, sweeping than, again, we had originally anticipated. So let me just run you through a, a few of them. I think that the first one of the headline um, is the degree to which this broke through a lot of barriers in digital and how people are 
um, were, were forced to overcome uh, some of the historical barriers they've had in being able to use digital tools to be able to understand, access information, and to shop. Um, we, we've known from the work that we've been doing um, with the World Economic Forum for the last few years that there's been a very clear group of usually around 20% of, of folks across most of the developed world who had very, very low levels of digital engagement. Um, they may not be really using a smartphone particularly. In some cases, they may not have internet access, etc. And this experience broke through that. It, it caused that population to have to get engaged digitally. It provided governments the necessary drive to get them access. And that allowed uh, the breadth of society to shift much more rapidly to digital engagement across the board. Um, and what we found was, as that happened was it wasn't just accessing basic services, but as people um, got comfortable with, with online engagement, um, they then switched to a whole range of different ways in which they were, um, they were engaging, with the world, engaging with the world around them. And so it's had a huge impact in breaking down that barrier. And obviously it has also translated into, uh, obviously not just increased comfort level, but a shift to the acceleration and long-term role of, of e-commerce as well. And, and so coming with that, um, we've seen amongst the very biggest shifts in channel um, that we have, think we have ever seen in our, in our industry, but also a, a big acceleration in the change of um, the relationship between consumers and brands. Um, and because I think fundamentally underpinning this, there were a few trends that we had seen before COVID that have been dramatically accelerated, um, but we've also seen um, a, a, a big degree to which um, there have been some emerging areas that we frankly hadn't anticipated uh, before. So, uh, so um, that's been the, sort of the heart of it. So I suppose the starting point for me would just be this big jump in digital literacy that underpins everything else that we've, that we've seen. Um, the second, the second uh, um, bucket that I would probably talk about is coming on from that is the degree to which consumers um, have wanted to engage with brands and to, and to have a much stronger level of ownership, connection, influence over the brands in which they, in which they, which they, they purchase and experience day in, day out. Um, and digital clearly enables them to do that much more clearly. But that has driven a big step up in the degree to which consumers want to, uh, to, to, to have that level of engagement. And that can be, and to participate, and that can be throughout every single stage in the journey from the R&D in a product um, to, um, to, to potentially supporting how it's actually sold, et cetera. So through every single stage in the journey, we're finding examples of consumers wanting to engage differently um, with brands than we've seen um, in, the, um, in the past. And I think that idea of having um, companies be comfortable with that, be comfortable with that depth of connection um, is something that is gonna be one of the big underlying accelerating shifts in, um, in our industry. So that's the, I suppose we'd call out the, the second one after digital literacy. The third one that we've seen very coming through very clearly um, that that was it was much much more pronounced as a result of the COVID experience was around health. Um, health has always been at the back of consumers' minds, but the big shift that I think COVID has caused has been the the holistic shift to thinking about physical and mental well-being, and the fact that it's driven some clear clear changes in behaviours of individuals 
um, across the, the globe. So 70 plus percent of people uh, have said that they have made at least one clear positive health change as a result of the COVID experience that they expect to stay with longer term. So this has been, again, one of the really big shifts is people taking their holistic health um, uh, as much more central to what they are looking for. And, and obviously that's going to translate into the degree to which health and support of health is represented in the products and services that they that they consume so again that's been interesting the you know the inter, again the subset of that is this focus on not just physical but also on mental and the the mental well-being aspect um, here of this idea of having that holistic view is is one that i think will um will also translate into people wanting to think about what sort of additive products um, can they put into the portfolio that will support that 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 overall that overall holistic view so that's the third one is around health um the fourth one that we've seen coming through very clearly is the push on sustainability um which was there before COVID. it's been in there in the background for a long time but clearly a number of consumers early in the the COVID experience made a link between what was happening with COVID and climate change and there has clearly been a strong acceleration COVID has driven towards people wanting to put the sustainability agenda more and more centrally into how they engage with the consumer industry as a whole. And it's clear that they're signaling that they want to understand the sustainability impact of the products that they, 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 um, they consume. They want to make more sustainable uh, decisions in, in what, they, what they typically buy. But they're also saying that a lot of them do not understand how to, to do that. Um, and one of the one of the things that um, we've often talked about is this idea of the um, the uh, the aisle test of if you send a typical consumer into the store with you know to do their weekly to do their weekly shop and to ask them come out with a list of products that is better for them and better for the planet the, the sort of best selection of those options it's very hard for consumers to be able to do that uh, today and thirty percent of consumers are saying to us that they aren't making any, they aren't engaging in that way at all, simply because they find it too complicated. But the, but it's very clear that there's a strong drive coming through in the data to make that transition, to understand and to make more sustainably driven choices and um, to reward companies that back that, but also to punish companies that won't. And so I think this is one that has been dramatically accelerated under COVID and people using digital access to try and understand what that actually means with with, um, with the individual products and brands that they experience. Um, the next one I thought was really interesting in the data was the changing relationship with work. Um, there's very, very few companies across our industry and more generally who haven't fundamentally had this as an experience to reevaluate um, how people think about their relationship with work. Over half the people that we talked to said that they had were using this as a mechanism to understand fundamentally to reevaluate what do they want to do in life, um, and people increasingly thinking about different ways in which they could potentially make a living. It's caused people to fundamentally reevaluate the role of the office. Um, it's caused a, a, a large number of people to think about um, how much time they would want to spend in the office versus spending time um, at home. 
it's driven an, an in, a really interesting uh, increase in the this idea of a third place where people um, will not necessarily want to go stay at home or to go to make the journey all the way into the office, but potentially to be working from a uh, to working from a third location. It's raised questions around things like distant working, etc. So it's probably caused the biggest shift in the, the in in the relationship with work. That we have seen in our adult uh, in our adult uh, adult lifetimes, um, and then I I touch on one that then ties into that. I suppose maybe the last one of the really big themes, which is the impact then on on travel, um, which is that um, uh, I think about half the folks that we surveyed who travel regularly for business say that they expect to travel um, for business half or less than they did before. So a huge reduction, a re-evaluation in the role of uh, work travel as part of the overall equation. So, you know, net-net, when I think across all these different changes, the change in how people will engage with consumers, how they will, where they will actually physically buy product, uh, product, product from, what they're looking for in brands, the relationships that they want with the companies that manage those brands and with the products themselves, their relationships with work, their relationships societally, and so on. This has been probably the biggest disruption um, that that we have seen, as I said, across the board in our um, in our adult lifetimes, and it's completely fascinating. It is completely fascinating. Thank you so so much for sharing all of those different findings. I think I recognised myself <laughs> like in in most of those things actually. So yeah, super super interesting to to hear it like that. Um, so I wanted to sort of see how we can relate that to our industry. What can our industry learn from these findings, and and how can we navigate the the challenges that perhaps these changes have or will bring about? And of course, harness those opportunities because I'm sure there are there are so many opportunities um, for for our industry within within um, within that. Yeah, I know it's a it's a, a really good question because I think um, obviously as when you start to see this level of underlying change in um, in consumer behaviour, um, the industry can um, can be caught out by that, and 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 I think um, it does. It's what it's therefore leading to is amongst the sharpest changes in um, in, in 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 companies in the industry to respond to this both uh, and, and it's got to be across the uh, across the board so I think the sorts of things that we are uh, that we're, we're seeing need to be done um, there's, there's there's several of them um, I think first of all we're talking here about um, re you know, fundamentally embracing this new dynamic with the uh, with the consumer to understand um, the consumer at the, the new level that we possibly can to understand that consumers do want to possibly engage with brands and to give them a, a much stronger level of two-way communication um, with um, with brands to give the ability for consumers to put more input in to understand about brands etc and uh, and I think that that idea of that uh, of, of of encouraging that level of consumer democracy, I think, is at the heart of a lot of what we are what we're describing. I think the second thing that is important here is to take advantage of um, the, the, the level of channel shift that we have seen. Obviously, there's been a lot of reporting in the press about the the, the general shift towards e-commerce, but that creates a very very complicated picture of all of the different ways in which that's being impacted because this isn't necessarily just about a direct-to-consumer experience. This is impacting e-retail. It's impacting the, the, the relationship with the bigger e-marketplaces. 
it's impacting um, e-commerce on the B2B side, et cetera. So every single channel that we're seeing is being disrupted as a result of that. And understanding what those shifts are and to make sure that you can optimize the relationship with consumers and with customers across all those different channels is one of the big step changes that we are, we are we're seeing with companies really trying to be much more much more holistic, much more unified in how they're, they're, they're managing uh, those, uh, those shifts. Um, the third one I would just call out tied into this is just the fear of underlying reevaluation of the portfolio as a whole. So particularly with a focus on, on the shift into, uh, into health. Um, because as I said, if the, one of the biggest changes here is, the, is consumers reevaluating the, their link to health as a whole, playing that in, looking across things and saying, okay, what can we do to fundamentally enable this to be the case, that we can actually support can the, the, the consumer's health, whether that's a physical or mental piece or more holistic, is one that I think does need to be rippled through. And, and that is going to cause an acceleration, I think, in the R&D on the, on, the, on the health side. Um, and then the fourth one, I suppose, that I would describe it as is, is um, the focus on mainstreaming sustainability, because clearly part of this is about um, what you can do to explain uh, and make sure that the individual products that you're, you're supporting to consumers are more sustainable. But it's got to be done end to end. It's got to be done across the entire enterprise. Um, and so having this as a core part of the strategy to look across everything from how you're how you're marketing how you're engaging with sales how you're manufacturing supplying etc and, and, and how you operate internally this holistic view is something that's absolutely got to be done and i think that's going to again sweep through the industry and be a, be one of the really dominant conversations over the next uh, over the next decade um and that, i think the, the next one then is and it ties into the point i was making about the changing relationship with work with work is the companies proactively managing the change in the relationship with workers. Um, we don't know, only a very, very small number of companies across our industry who are expecting to go back to you know, the four or five days in the office model that we used to be aware of. Um, there's a, a big re-evaluation around you know, making sure that when people do come into the office, there's a, there's a very strong logic for doing that, for going through the commute, et cetera. And I think um, people taking advantage of that, re-evaluating and making sure that they do provide what workers are now looking for to have the right sort of employee value proposition is a huge and really interesting part of the of the of the journey. Um, and the last two I've just call out are ones I think that are very fundamental. Um, one is that it's very clear to us that the changes that we're describing, um, both from a commercial perspective but also from a societal perspective, can't be achieved by companies just working alone. Um, and so one of the things that um, we are increasingly seeing is companies reaching out and asking for support in how they engage uh, with others in, ac across uh, the industry. That can be with peers, that can be better with, with, uh, with, with suppliers um, or with, with retailers, et cetera. So this idea of, of thinking much more holistically about how they fit within, within the, uh, with the industry as a whole. Um, and then the final one, I suppose, is one that's been un underpinning things for a little while, but it's become more and more pronounced, which is this idea of becoming data-driven. There's an enormous level of information out there. There's an enormous level of, 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 of data, not just about consumers and customers, but also about the organization as well. And um, what we need to be able to do is to translate that into very rapid changes in, in behavior and decision-making, et cetera. 
And so becoming data driven and having that be something that flows all the way up to top teams, I think is something that's going to, again, to be, um, to be uh, central to success in the industry. So there's a, in effect, there's a very, very broad range of, of, of changes that need to be put in place. And I think what we're realizing is that um, the ability of the organization, of organizations across the industry to manage this change and to manage it and to be able to deploy it globally is, um, is going to be probably the largest single strategic differentiator for, uh, for the big players in the industry over the next five to 10 years. Yes, this does feel like such a pinnacle sort of moment of change. I think the next sort of logical, obvious question for you, Oliver, is if companies, um, you know, do not manage to successfully tackle all of these these challenges and, and harness the opportunities that we just spoke about, what do you think could be the, the potential risks for them? Well, I think there's a it's a it's a really good question, and it is a real worry um, because if you think about the journey that our industry's been on um, over the last uh, ten years or so, um, relative market share, so the degree to which the larger players in our industry remain as powerful as they are, has been falling. And so, um, the if you look at um, by the end of the the, the uh, this uh, this decade, it could well be that the big the big um, biggest CPG companies in the world um, who um, would get to less than 30% of total market share. Um, and um, we thought originally that the COVID experience might actually reverse some of that, that erosion in market share, but that's not been the case. It, what's coming through from the data is it appears that COVID actually helped to accelerate a lot of the disruptions that we were seeing. So it's a real worry um, for, for the largest CPG companies if they don't go through the adjustments that we're describing, that they, it's not that they won't continue to grow, but they, they will grow and but take a smaller share of, um, of, the, um, of the, the, the global growth in our, our industry and therefore will gradually lose relevance just day in, day out. And so I think the importance of them embracing this journey and driving is becoming more and more fundamental. So the risks are indeed very real, that, that is safe to say. So my final question to you, Oliver, that, that is something I always ask every guest on the podcast, and it's a bit of a personal one. It is what keeps you motivated to, to keep doing the job that you do? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's a great question. Because I, I feel very fortunate to be able to play um, the role that I do. You know, we, we're the, the largest services provider to the consumer goods industry. Um, we have over 20,000 people who spend most of their time working on serving clients across the industry. And it gives us a really fascinating overall perspective on how our industry is um, uh, evolving. Um, we get involved in some of the most interesting challenges uh, across the industry as people are struggling with um, with transformation. Um, and um, that just as an intellectual challenge, I think is, is fascinating. But for me personally, I think there's a, a bigger thing, which is that um, as you know, COVID has really definitely highlighted, um, we have a huge obligation societally. Um, and if we as an organization can help manage the transition to a world that is better for us and better for the planet, um, that's something that is absolutely vital. And I think it's clear to us that we can play and are playing a central role in making that happen. And, and fundamentally for me, when I look back on my career, um, I will reflect on 
our ability and my ability to help in that positive societal transaction, uh, transition. Um, because I, you know, it's, 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 yes, growing the business is important and, and clearly we're having a lot of success in doing that. But ultimately, I think when I, when I reflect, um, when I think about the kind of the classic of the, you know, what did you do during the war question that, that people used to ask um, after World War II, for us, that war is um, the transition to a healthier and more sustainable uh, climate, more sustainable planet. And, and I think what I want to be able to do is be in a situation where it's very clear that the contribution that we made was a very hugely positive one in enabling that to, um, to, to happen. And so for me, fundamentally, that's, that is something that really does drive um, me week in, week out, is to think about what we can do to help the industry positively affect that journey. Yes, I love asking that question because it is so interesting to, to hear um, all the different guests from different different sectors of the industry um, talk about that deeper, deeper meaning. You know, nobody ever says that they jump out of bed in the morning for, for money. You know, the, it's, yeah, there's always that deeper meaning that we're all searching for. So thank you so much, Oliver, for, for sharing this wealth of, of knowledge and insights today. It's, it's been really fascinating for me personally, and I'm sure our listeners too, to hear about all of the shifts that you've been seeing um, over this very unique period of time and indeed the opportunities for our industry as we move forward into this, this post-COVID world. So thank you for taking the time today. If you would like to find out more about our work at the Consumer Goods Forum, you can visit our website at www.theconsumergoodsforum.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe to the podcast for more episodes coming very soon. Thank you for listening and bye for now.